0: When it comes to having comfortable footwear that can help with performance and health, I keep saying, I wish more people knew physics because if they knew physics, they wouldn't be susceptible to the marketing, I got to say, bullshit that um, keeps you from having the experience that you would like because of what big companies say and do. Now, people hear me say that and they go, hey, who are you to say that? Well, why don't we have that conversation with someone who's an actual physicist? That's what's going to happen on today's episode of the Movement, Movement the podcast, For people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, strong, healthy, strong body, feet first, because those things are your foundation. And we talk about the propaganda, the mythology. In this case, we're going to be talking about some of the lies you've been told about what it takes to run or walk or hike or play or do yoga or CrossFit or stance revolution or whatever it is you like to do for fun, starting with your feet. And uh, um, we're going to, you know, again, get rid of that mythology, and propaganda, all the rest. We're going to teach you what's real, starting feet first. Again, those things are your foundation. And um, we call this the movement movement because... Because we're creating a movement that involves you, I'll tell you how, it's really easy, about natural movement, letting your body do what it's made to do. I'm Stephen Sashen from ZeroShoes.com. I host this thing. And if you want to find out more, and you do, go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com. It doesn't cost you anything to join. There's no secret handshake or a song you need to learn. That's just the domain we got where you can find all the previous episodes. You can find all the ways to interview. You. And um, and if you want to be part of the tribe, it's really easy uh general like or a good review. I mean, if you want to be a part of the tribe, just subscribe. That's the gist of it. Anyway, uh let us get started. I couldn't be happier about this uh, uh, episode. And Zach, do me a favor. Tell people who you are and what you're doing here.
1: Well, at the high level, I'm a human on earth. There's a lot of labels. I'm not really big you on
0: need, labels. You need to go down a little bit from human on earth. I'm okay with human on earth. <laughs> and I would argue that's debatable for both of us, but regardless.
1: So, I'm a practicing physicist, actually with relevant experience. Starting with NASA, doing shop mechanics, try to understand creating regimes. I had a paper called "The Study of uh, Collisional Fragmentation and Understanding Collisional Phenomena and Asteroid Evolution." But I'm here today.
0: Well, wait. Pause right there. I just need to, to say. Um, that you have just done something that is a first in the God knows how many, like almost 200 of these podcasts that I've done. I think you just had more words that people would have to look up in a dictionary in a short time than ever before. So a uh, award for you, definitely a gold star and a trophy.
1: Right. And it's my point here is to bring things down to earth. It's meaningless. You don't know anything. If you can't talk to people and physics, you know, it was one of my passions, optics, photography, running. I, I luckily was able to run high school before, they had wedge-shaped shoes, and I had an Asics Tiger shoe that was a little more than a wafer that I ran cross-country in, like in 19, you know, we want to say that. So, uh, yeah, i am got degrees. If you care about titles and stuff like that, to me, knowledge is knowledge, and I think a lot of knowledge is organically gained through experience. And to me, if it doesn't work, forget about it. So I've got degrees in physics, graduate degrees taught at the University of Colorado Boulder, uh, used to be, uh, been a whitewater stunt kayaker, then performance motorcycle riding, got smart, realized that people die doing that. So I decided I wouldn't have fun and stay above ground. And so running has been a passion of mine for, for decades. And I actually, my history in terms of running, I reached a point where I did do all the wrong things because I didn't think about these shoes that came out. Went through all the orthotics, the best, everything like this, pronation, all these things. And then finally, I can talk about this later, but I made the connection between biological systems and healing and proper function versus these artificial contrivances that take you astray and never, never, never help your body. So there's a lot more to my background. I've got a bunch of jobs and a long resume, but right now I'm I'm designing a high-resolution satellite to actually help humanity Anywhere from agriculture to being a space cowboy counting cows, so I'll just stop with that.
0: I got to tell you, you reminded me of a very funny thing early on when Lane and I were running Zero Shoes out of the corner of a floor, on the floor of a corner of a spare bedroom. And actually, by that time, I think we had our first customer service manager living at our dining room table. We had a fulfillment guy living in our living room, and the house and garage were filled with product. But we had some guys who were in town uh, or passing through town to go to some sort of meeting at NORAD. And they came to get a pair of our sandals and i said to them you know it amazes me when military technology makes it down to civilians and i always wonder you know what the military version looks like so like with gps you know what can you, what kind of resolution do you guys have? And they said, no, we're using the same satellites you are this, you know, 13 years ago, we're using the same satellites you are. We get the same three foot resolution. I said, what can you take a picture of from space? And they went, well, we can't tell you that I said, well. From what I know, if you get like three fuzzy pictures from different angles, you can use some pixel level, you know, near pixel level algorithms to clean those things up. And you put that together and you get a good 3D image of pretty much anything. And they just blanched. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the big long word is called photogrammetry, and I'm an expert at that. And what's interesting is the satellite feeds from the orbit, they call it cis or between the Earth and the moon, that are communicating the opposite direction from Earth. So it, it actually is very interesting. And a lot of the technology is 60 years out, so it's actually very Star Trek and Star Wars and all this kind of stuff. So the problem for me is that bring it to the people – instead of taking this game
0: to space and polluting space. So anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. Well, let me, let me add this because you and I've had some of these conversations. The part of me that likes to know how everything works is fascinated by many of the things that you know. And the part of me that wants to just have a simple, happy life doesn't want you to tell me any of that crap.
1: And you can be happy knowing both. Knowledge is power. (laughs) And I sleep well at night for many, many reasons, because I have a way expanded view way, way outside of earth makes kind of a space cadet but
0: well let's just sure. say when I, when I made that same comment to my uh, brother-in-law who's in the cia his response is yeah you don't want to know what i know
1: cia is spooky yeah those guys yeah they're spooky
0: so backing up to your running history and and i want to do the, i'm going to do the physics component of this in two phases phase <laughs> one i just want to hear like what you were experiencing more specifically and then what was that kind of you know wake up call where you realized i need to look at this with the actual understanding that I have about physics and reality. And then um, the next phase, I want to talk about um, just what's been happening in footwear and from literally from a physics perspective, what your opinion is about some of these things. And it's been interesting because there's been a lot of stuff in the media lately. I was just on a panel discussion at the American college of sports medicine um, and brought up physics a couple of times. And I'll share that with you. But again, I'm kind of sick of it coming from me and it'd be much more fun to hear from you. So let's start with your running history, the problems you were having and when you had that sort of like, holy crap, you know, wake up moment. Sure.
1: It happened by accident. So after I was competitive runner, i loved running and I ended up finding out that I was always trying to push myself too hard, but it crept up on me when I was just buying the next shoe and these wedge shaped shoes came out and, you know. It's fine, right? And then over time I experienced you know ITB and I, I've traced all these to, to pure physics. it's actually easy to understand. And then it was many, many years, but I started getting interested in longer runs and some of the uh, overuse things in uh, repetitive motion injuries came in. So some of the the supposedly small things started creeping up on me. So I'd go to the best uh, Cairo and Boulder. I got my customer orthotics. I went to the running stores and ran on a treadmill and had them analyze my gait. Really bad idea. The worst shoes I ever had were from that recommendation. So I experienced the typical problems that you would have in terms of people, you know, pronating, which completely goes away with zero drop and ITB knee stuff, the, the patella not tracking correctly. So, I mean, you know, the host of things that you all know about preaching to the choir and the aha moment happened when <clears throat> I actually was doing vision therapy and I learned, uh, it was corresponding with this doctor, Dr. Antonia Orfeld, uh, Orfield and she had a paper in the journal of behavioral optometry about a brain limb response in myopia. So I read about that.
0: Wait, hold on, wait, slow that one down. So, so what got, why were you doing vision therapy?
1: Well, I I'm a physicist and I, I think in terms of optics, I'm an optic specialist. And what happened is I thought, you know, humans aren't just doomed to failure. Like it's just, you know, you don't get to the point where, well, my knees are bad. I can't run. And then my, my eyesight, you know, why is that? And I found out that no, that doesn't happen and that there's a reason why people keep getting progressively stronger glasses. And so she actually cured her myopia, published a paper in the journal of behavioral optometry, a referee journal publication. I corresponded with her, got in touch with a vision therapist saw that vision therapist, actually corrected my vision to where I was riding my motorcycle without glasses. And then having done that experiment, I realized biological systems, uh, we have a genius design with our body. And so the point is I took that knowledge, thought about running and said, you know, you don't just get to a point where you have to stop running. Well, I can't run anymore, my knees or something like that. And so I applied that same theory, realizing that if you support a system of the body, you tend to weaken it. So what happens, uh, and all you people wearing glasses, keep this in mind, when you go to the doctor's office, they wanna look at the back of your retina, they dilate your pupils. What happens optically there is um, your focus gets worse. If they measure your prescription, when your pupils dilated, they're over mm-hmm.
0: Get
1: your glasses, you tell your friends, oh, I'm getting used to my new glasses. They're actually too strong. Your brain is adopting to that and your vision gets worse. So I actually caught my brother before this happened to him and he, he didn't have to wear glasses. So I reversed the procedure. And the point is, is that when you do that, then the lens gets confused and there's a direct correlation between running and this because your onion skin lens needs to be able to accommodate and focus. So it needs to kind of shift back and forth and find that uh, perspective center. Same thing with your feet. If, if you have anything on your foot between your foot and the ground, it's equivalent to walking around in a dark room looking for the light switch. You just don't have that instant feedback.
0: And I I want to I want to do a plug though uh for people seeing their uh ophthalmologist and having their pupils dilated and having someone look at your retina because um yesterday I had the pleasure of having an appointment with my ophthalmologist and giving her a bottle of wine and thanking her for saving my life because during a routine eye exam she found what was called a freckle on my Uh, Retina, And she said, I think we should monitor this, which I didn't know until recently. Let's just monitor this as doctors speak for, oh shit, this could be cancer. And in fact, um, a year and a half later, it turned out that it was, and she was the one who kind of had a hunch, but she wasn't allowed to diagnose that. So she sent me to the guy who diagnosed it. And happily, I went from diagnosis to being fine in eight weeks.
1: And I second that plug. So by no means does this mean that eye doctors are bad. There are just as many vision therapists who will take you the other way. And they will put your accommodation just on the right side so you can actually improve your vision. So absolutely necessary eye health, 100%, of course.
0: Okay. So um, you had this, this aha moment of going, huh, there's a similar thing going on with my feet that I was doing with my eyes where supporting them was and and getting something in the way between you and the ground was basically making you foot blind if you will and then what right. happened what did you do once you had that realization
1: i went through a sequence of experiments so there's nothing like being a spokesperson for something even though i'm not evangelical about this you know if someone asks i'll help them but i'm not out to change the world but what happens is i'm the guinea pig right so dr orfield was the guinea pig and she proved by using her brain learn response to cure her myopia. So I I started with uh, the running shoe that tries to give you a midfoot strike. And I ran a marathon with those. And of course, keep in mind, the whole point was that I love to run and I was not going to be able to run because I'd run a half marathon and beat the heck out of my body and wonder why is this? And fast forward, by the way, today, uh, running a marathon and other distances I just go about the rest of my day. It's all gone. I haven't had so much as a tweak. And I'm not kidding in in decades, 100%. And the the big takeaway here is it's not Zach. Zach's not lucky. This is the nice thing about physics is we're trying to approach truth. And I can obliterate all these companies that, you know, they're brilliant at marketing because they have the big shoe and the little shoe and the regular shoe and convince people that this year's model is going to, you know, help them so what happened is i transitioned and it i I, i'm I'm stubborn and it wasn't quite enough for me and i actually ran into some of the uh became friends with micah true you know i guess they call it a movement i don't care about that people who love to run uh it's not about being barefoot um you know if you are barefoot you should be to get your stride 100 about stride it's not to go into a store barefoot and be radical about that stuff. It's hundred percent about your stride.
0: So, so I, let, I, let me let me pause right there. First of all, for people who don't know, Micah True was featured in the book Born to Run um, and really introduced people to the Tato and the Copper Canyon. Secondly, what you just said, I want to highlight it because this is something I say all the time, which is. This conversation is not really about, I mean, any conversation that we have is not really about footwear. It is about form. It's about using your body naturally. It's about natural function. I was just mm-hmm. at the American College of Sports Medicine. It was a panel discussion about how to select the proper footwear. And my opening slide was, you've been misled. This this panel is not not about footwear. It's about optimal human function and right. how that can create comfort performance and improved health. And then, you know, by the way, there's some shoes involved, but that's only about whether they get in the way of right. what want or not. So,
1: yeah, I, I'm dear friends it. with Maria Walton, who was Micah True's partner. And because of her death and she was distraught, I wrote her a song honoring Micah True called mm-hmm. Caballo Blanco. And that ended up being uh, in the movie. Uh, I think it's called Born, I forget what the movie's called, but I, I was at the premiere at the Dairy Center in Boulder. And we had a bunch of like Anton Kupika and Scott Jurek and all the Ultra Runners there. So that was kind of a big night of just the coming together. Of uh, kind of a what I would call a, a pure thread of what it really means to run and move across the earth and enjoy yourself and not get too worried and hung up about statistics, which was what Michael True was about. Yeah. So I mentioned that because I ran to this crowd, and synergistically, of course, you attract like to like, and people were running minimally, and it's really hard for people because there's a metaphor here for fear. So if you think about Anytime anything in life, uh, as you know, if you tense up when you're getting a shot, it hurts more. If you relax, it doesn't. Same thing with walking the earth. You can if you even just change your mind and think of your feet as just blending into the earth, which is inclusion and love, then the pain goes away. But if you're like chicken hopping and thinking of the earth as a separate entity and that uh e- excluding versus inclusion, you will have. With nothing else different except your mind, you'll have a different experience of that walk. So I, I put two and two together. I, I went cold turkey in terms of realizing that you want to remove anything but feedback from the foot. So you want a like smooth, hard surface. So you want a perfect, infinite half space. And you just run and, and let your brain engage your muscles the way that we're meant to. And after three months, I felt like a kid again. And I had my sprint. And I think you were there. There was a filming with a, a major network and a major uh, anchor that was there. Oh, and we were running, I was actually, we were filming doing a spot on barefoot running and there was a sprinter from CU and I actually edged her out as the old guy because I had regained my sprint. And it's, it's just a joy continues to this day. I sent the producer a picture, of Natalie and I, my partner, were doing our track work at 8,000 feet in Estes Park this morning in zero shoes, which I have some things to say about that. It's not a promotion for zero, but um, I'm very experienced because I was a science advisor on a barefoot running book. I think it was number one uh, seller on fitness and Kindle, and I got to try a bunch of different shoes and so uh, you know i i have experience uh personal experience with this and then a, a physics background and mechanical engineering background to back it up
0: so okay so i'm gonna uh do a little paraphrasing so when you went called turkey so i'm suggest i'm guessing what that meant is you went barefoot barefoot yes Got it. And and I love that you mentioned smooth, hard surface, which I always joke that um, if you want to make a barefoot runner, just misty-eyed, just mention a freshly painted white line on the side of a road. Yeah. It's like, it's nice and smooth and nice, and hard, but it has just a little bit of something. It's like just totally delicious. And when did you do that?
1: Oh, good grief. Yeah, I'm supposed to remember dates. At least, at least 20 years ago. Okay. And it's because and you're, you know what's interesting that is that as a physicist they have these things called rank rank of tensors you know and it's like okay whatever bring it down to earth how many dimensions are there okay so we got you know three dimensions and then time you add a very real dimension when you've touched the earth mm. it, it's so many ways because you feel it the temperature and the texture and if you don't, if you have a shoe on or you're insulating yourself, you're actually insulating yourself electronically. And so forget new age voodoo, you are electrical body, you can carry a charge, you literally ground your body, that's very real. And you can build up charge. So people feel good when they walk barefoot, because they're bleeding off electrons, which, you know, of course, are damaged to carry around. And if you've walked across the carpet with shoes on and shocked someone, that's literally proof that you build up charge. So I there's a lot of benefits.
0: I got a different take on that one, just for the fun of doing it with you. I don't know if we've had this conversation. I don't think we have. The thing I say is, yeah, you can build a charge. I mean, your skin is is really quite impervious to having electricity pass it, which is a good thing. I like to say, ninety nine point five percent of people who are struck by lightning survive without a problem. 100% of trees that get struck by lightning explode because the current's passing over you, uh, you know, on your skin to the ground in a tree, it's going through the tree, superheating the water, turning into steam, things blow up. And I yeah. would argue, um, and I, I'm happy to you know be proven wrong on this one, um, that the thing that feels really good about having your feet on the ground is, um, I like to give the analogy this way. I say sugar doesn't taste good. We evolved to like the taste of sugar and then manipulate sugar because it gives us something we need, which is calories. And I suspect that that good feeling that we get um, is a similar thing where we learned that certain things tell us that what's nearby is something beneficial, food, water, whatever it is. Um, And of course, feel, and it also just can feel good. And feeling good is not just a thought. It's a neurological phenomenon that, and we also know that just being in nature um, has stress reducing benefits, which is also a neurochemical process, which is arguably physics as well. Um, and so, you know, I go for this sort of simple biological evolutionary version of that story rather than electromagnetic version of that story.
1: Yeah. And I'm not, I don't look at everything from a physics standpoint. You know, I have my big organic spiel where it's like, well, we call things organic because it's the way things used to be. So it's like the way things used to be, let's mess it up. So you have food, that's just food, let's mess it up. And then call what it used to be organic. It's like, that's, that's odd. So
0: yeah. I mean, I I agree. There's many dimensions to it. We Look, we say the same thing. I say, we're not the, you know, when people ask me to prove that what we're doing is valuable, I go, no, no, we're not the intervention. If you, even if you look at, I mean, human footwear for as long as we know about human footwear looked a lot like what we're doing. In fact, even the first Nike shoe, the first waffle trainer was flat, no heel lift, um, yeah. no toe spring um, the toe, toe box a little narrow but it was only about 10 millimeters of shitty foam mm-hmm. and so it was closer yeah. to what we do than anything that's happened w- once they added the wedged heel which happened because a uh, some podiatrists who were in the same building as bill Barrerman suggested that putting in a wedged heel would help people who were getting achilles tendonitis and 30 years later that the same doctors said to a friend of mine uh, yeah, that was, uh, recommending that wedge deal was the biggest mistake we ever made.
1: Yeah. That's, that's like when Doc Holiday went to Glenwood Springs, you know, to help his health problems. It's like exactly the opposite.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know, it's funny, a uh, total tangent for the fun of it. We were just, my wife and I were just in the Czech Republic since we have our European office in Prague. And we went to a town that is famous for its healing waters. And, um, and this town is like over a thousand years old. And so I went, um, I have a sneaking suspicion what, about what's healing about these waters Back then, food was not great, and digestion therefore was not great, and people would die from dysentery and other intestinal problems. And there's a lot of magnesium in this water. I think it just made them poop. <laughs> that yeah, was really yeah. helpful. It's funny. A thousand
1: years, my my brother got his PhD in Erlang in Germany. He gave me a thousandth year anniversary Stein. You know, it's funny in the US, it's like, oh, this is historic building. It's forty years old. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We to, we city city you
0: know, yeah. They like having when it was made, and there's a whole bunch of them that started with a one and a zero. And yeah. it's like, holy moly, and right. still in these buildings, they still work. So, uh, all yeah. right, before we move on to footwear, I want to do one last little thing on the barefoot side. And because we've mentioned this is really about stride, is there anything that you can think of? And this is I'm, I, this could be a gotcha question because I don't have an answer in my head. Anything you can think of from a physicist's perspective about the phenomenon of changing, of how your gait changed and what's happening when you are running barefoot biomechanically?
1: The problem with that transition, speaking to a general audience, is that depending on what you've done to your foot, if you've worn high heels and you have god-awful bunions... Uh, you've scrunched your toes up, you know, you've, whatever you've done to your shoe, you have your foot, you have to undo it to get your foot back to where it can function. And so for me, luckily, you know, I I was walking around barefoot as a kid quite a bit and usually tried to wear as little shoes as I could. And I hadn't messed my feet up that much. And I, I would at least take care of my feet and massage them and have foot rollers and do things all the time. So I was trying to get ahead of the problem of running the wrong way. And from a physics standpoint, it's it's so obvious that I, I try to explain physics to people in ways they understand, because it's meaningless. Like, you know, if I said the Coriolis, Coriolis force is minus two omega cross V, <laughs> where omega is the rotational velocity and V is the velocity vector, it's meaningless.
0: It's well, like that's, except, like better, hold on. If when you're running, you're paying attention to Coriolis forces, you're running really fast. Right. That's, that's impressive. But,
1: you know, what i tell people is like <laughs> if you've ever been on a merry-go-round and you walked out to the edge or the center that's the coriolis force yeah when you open a door do you open it at the hinge or the handle yeah. that's torque okay yeah but that's you no know, people know this stuff you can write an equation for it, but it doesn't matter it's the physics that matters and i always say math is the language of physics physics is not the symbology. The symbology is just represents. It's a language, and people get caught up in that when they see that. Because if you see an oil spot after it rains in the grocery store parking lot, you're looking at quantum interference. You know, the oil actually has different um, thicknesses as it's dissipating, and light literally comes down and literally annihilates itself depending on the thickness of the oil, and you see a rainbow. So there's so many physics things that you see. That no one thinks about. And they think, well, quantum physics, that's some guy in a lab, you know, Fermi or accelerating something, smashing atoms together. No, it's every day. And if you have a glass of tea or your favorite sports beverage and you grab that glass and you see your fingerprints on the inside, that is an evanescent wave that you have literally brought into existence. So this stuff is all around. And when you tell people that and common experience. So the the problem with biomechanics, because you ask, is that the difference is that instead of Everything happening with the stack height of a shoe and then shockwave translating up through my leg to my knee to my hip and beyond, I engage the entire leg. And it's so simple because, well, it's the way we were meant to move. And it's a brilliant design. And it's sad to see people try to correct something that's not wrong with a shoe, you know, with a support or an orthotic or you know, the, the finding the light switch in the dark, where you have more of a stack height, it's the way that the quick answers is the way the leg and the the body was meant to move out of a brilliant design. And in physics, we design like springs and piston mechanisms, uh, damped oscillators. And so the, the calf is the shock absorber. And imagine if you had a, uh, I don't know if, if you took the shock absorber off of a car and drove it around, that's what you do when you heel strike, quite literally. And people would say, that's crazy. I would never do that. What well, you're doing it all the time. And so there's so many problems with that because we get into the physics of it, um, shock mechanics. There's there's all kinds of stuff that would make people not want to run that way. So when you heel strike, you have a torsional instability and torsion just means rotation, you know? And so you have another, this wait, concentrated another, another, point.
0: Your, your heel's a ball and it won't be stable.
1: And and you'll have a, a shock wave go up, and when it hits a refractive interface, believe it or not, there's a lot of stuff that can happen. You can actually have at a change interface, you can have cavitation, which is rare rarefaction. So I'm also a geophysical expert. I know about seismic waves, PNS waves, compressional waves, and shear waves. It's physics. This happens in your body. And so the more the transient shock is, a local shockwave, you can have shear stress. Believe it or not, you can have cavitation, which can result in ultraviolet light, microplasma, free radicals. Over time, like X rays, they're somatic. So if you have one big X ray or 100 small ones, it's the same thing. So you're running all the time. And the more the shock wave at these microscopic levels, these things are happening. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've oxidized and you've um, compromised your tissues and created all kinds of problems they just go on you know knees and atb and this pronation thing which vanishes when you don't heel strike so it's so obvious because if if you hit your heel you have a a double impact so i've done this cu on pressure plates i've run with the traditional shoe run barefoot as you know you have a a shock wave that's two peaks if you heel strike but the problem there is that you have an unstable landing You overload the arch and you stop for an instant and then you push off again. So it's like stop, start, stop, start, stop, like a jalopy. And my analogy is if you look at legs across the spectrum in terms of, you know, dogs and rabbits and deer and humans, where's the heel on a dog? Where's the heel on a deer? What if they Mm -hmm. ran around hitting their heel? It's not any different. You know, it's the same. And the reason gazelles can run so fast and so gracefully is the same reason we can, they would never heel strike. It'd be it'd be laughable to see that, and so our we have a little bit different uh, ratios, uh, you know, the, the Fibonacci and golden mean and all that kind of thing, the brilliant design of the body, but that's the basic idea. Is if you make the analogy between these uh, animals that run, they would never land on what is the equivalent analogy of the heel, uh, in terms of the skeletal structure, and. It's just obvious to me, so it's hard to even describe because your leg was designed for your heel to be kind of like a cantilever thing, and the brilliance of the, your forefoot is that it can splay and absorb uh, shock and then also return that. So you, it's it's a little bit lossless; is an inelastic collision, but you're you're actually dissipating and morphing to the the varied terrain and loading up the. Uh, the, the calf and the thighs, and using from at least the hip down, and so you have that distance involved versus this really teensy distance that you're trying to um accomplish with the shoe. And it's 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 crazy speak, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not it's truth, it's not Zach's opinion. Uh, I'm not trying to. We've done shock tests. I've literally done shock tests loading like rods at NASA and seeing what happens uh, with the shock wave. So I know my shock mechanics, and I've tested materials to failure. And I know that, um, you know, especially like uh, with uh, repeated um, injections of frequencies, into systems, you can actually have a catastrophic resonance and a catastrophic decline and failure, which is famous in certain bridge things. So here you are, heel striking, causing these like shock waves to go up your leg, hit a refractive interface in the hip or the knee or something like that. And, you know, you have these cavitations and you have these little free radicals. And all of a sudden your tissue decomposes and you go to the doctor and it's like, well, we're going to have to replace your knees because, uh, and you can't run anymore.
0: So. so hold on. This is this is a really interesting thing. People think that if they end up with, let's say, patellar tendonitis, you know, tendonitis around your knee. Right. The way it's talked about now is that this is a quote overuse injury. You've just been using those muscle ligaments and tendons around your knee too much, and that's why they've degraded. What you're suggesting is something much more interesting, which is that it's not an overuse injury. It's in this case, you know, a a shock based injury that's just affecting the tissues. So you can use them, you know, all day long if you weren't creating those shocks. Um, And cavitation, the easiest way for people to think of cavitation in my mind, tell me if you have a better one, is something like a a carbonated beverage where, you know, you can basically um, create these bubbles out of the water uh, by changing pressure or just, you know, something.
1: Bubbles coming out of suspension. It's like the, uh, the bands for nitrogen. Uh, the bends came from people building the Brooklyn Bridge and those caissons, and they had to pressurize it to keep the water out. And that's, workers would come up into the, the nitrogen would come out of there. When they came up topside out of the pressurized air, the nitrogen would become out of solution in their blood and, you know, fall over and die or have some maladies. Exactly the same thing. There's a really good analogy. So I use physics terms and I, I try to translate things because um, when I use things like shock waves People know that when you hit something, um, it goes through a material, but you don't know that the, uh, the amplitude can double and do weird things at the interface. So it really matters, you know, and the, the other really, really big takeaway is that your body, the bones weren't meant to be loaded like that. Your, your fascia and your muscles and your ligaments and tendons are really supposed to do most of the work and you need some kind of like structure, you know, I guess to have form and. My job, you know, self-appointed job is when people ask, is to try to bring this down to earth. And it's so simple, though. You can, you know, take your shoes off and go for a run. Tell me if you're going to heel strike.
0: Right. Right. And then
1: people have that thing, though. It's like, well, the earth is scary and I can't touch it because what if I step on something? And I said, well, then don't step on something. Oh, my God.
0: The number of times where someone says, and and look, we're not recommending going barefoot per se, but the number of times, but but what people do when you do suggest that idea is exactly that. Not only do they say, what if I step on something, they imagine stepping on things that don't exist in their world. My favorite is actually, what if I step in dog shit? I go, when's the last time you stepped in dog shit? They go, I don't know, 20 years ago. I said, well, why are you going to start now then? And Right.
1: That's a good answer. But you know, the thing is about the shoe is I agree. It's that, in fact, going way back to when I said stride. It's not barefoot, cold turkey, organic, you know, I got to be barefoot, touch the earth. It's stride. yeah. And when you have your stride back, then if you do this mental gymnastics, this mental math, it's like, okay, well then I don't need the padding anymore. Right. You're right. You don't. And then what happens though, if you run a trail or you run these artificial surfaces. So like even these open space trails, they grind these rocks up and they're pyramidal shaped And they Mm -hmm. will like just bug the crap out out. of you when you're running. So, what happens then? If stride rules, then you start doing that. You start chicken hopping. You change your stride. Right. So, absolutely appropriate to have the most minimal shoe you need. And you know me, I've, I've been running. Well, I met you when I took a blank of Vibram and you know some shoelaces and built a sandal when you were just starting this whole thing. I went over to your house, and looking for the most minimal thing. I've run everything you can imagine in the uh i guess zero sandals different mm-hmm. incarnations over the years and i don't know i've, I've never actually worn any of mine out which is, is odd i see people wear them out but i think it's because i had a stride
0: the thing that i say i mean you know we build these things to be durable and i say but the difference is this if you just if you were just standing up and just lifting your foot off the ground and putting it down, lifting up, putting it down, just all vertical force, no horizontal uh, impact at all, then it'll never wear out. And so, right. if you're starting to see wear patterns, it's because you know you're creating horizontal force. Friction is friction, and that doesn't mean you never create horizontal force. I mean, as a sprinter, yeah. my first twenty steps are as horizontal as you can get away with. Um, that's how you're building up speed, and slowing down does the same thing in, in reverse. So, um, and even, you know, if you've got a really good stride, there's a little bit in there, but um, uh, but that's a whole, whole other story. Let me, let me, I want to jump into this a little bit uh, from what you just said. So, considering that the entirety of footwear evolution in the last 40 years in particular has been adding various forms of cushioning, can you say, again, from a physicist's perspective, what cushioning does and or doesn't do?
1: It removes your foot's ability to do what it was intended to do, first of all, no matter what, no matter what. In fact, the way I think of the perfect shoe is that it's like just a magic carpet that follows your foot around. It removes the whole idea of having a last that you have to cinch down. And People are so used to cinching down the last because they're trying to spring off of their foot and have this thing really tight on their foot, so the the cushioning thing insulates your proprioception so from a physics standpoint it confuses your brain so there's called a brain limb response and as you know proprioception and what it does is it confuses the triggering of the muscles so the short answer is it confuses the triggering of the muscles it's always always suboptimal no matter what and you know a lot of people get away with it said i run just fine i run just fine well you might not have major injuries but you absolutely could always run better. No question, always could run better. So when you put a, even if it's a zero drop, a bunch of padding on your shoe, it takes the, the stress has to go somewhere. And so anything that's happening between your foot and the ground isn't happening with your, your natural accommodation with your muscles and the hinge motion and the pistons in your, your calf and the way they were extended to work. And so it's less efficient and it confuses your brain. Like I said, it's, it's like walking around in the dark. Your foot needs to be able to splay. And then also if it's not perfectly planar, which trails and roads aren't, it it needs to be able to accommodate that. And what you're doing is you're removing a complete dimension when you do that. So now you're saying everywhere you step is flat. And not only that, if you have a slight rocker in the, the road, now you've introduced an unnatural let's say torque or torsion which is a twisting to your ankle and why because it all that goes
0: away like well, well no, no. The, the, the why is really simple because shoe companies have been do, you, misusing physics to convince you that you need this stuff and every few years they come up with some new version of cushioning um, and they never say, "Here's our new stuff." Sorry about the crap we've been selling for the last five years.
1: Well, I don't think they're even using physics. I think that they're oh, they're, they're, they're brilliant marketers. Some people can sell you water that has caramel color brilliantly, and it, it's it's a travesty. I, I, but no, it's marketing because well, this this year. No, no, I said I said I said, mis,
0: I said misuse physics.
1: Oh, misuse fit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean. Uh, That would assume they're even using physics because you can't. No, no,
0: no. no, no. Here, let me give you my favorite example. So Adidas, and I say that to be pretentious because that's how you say it in Europe because that's what it is. All right. uh, they had they invented their boost foam, and the way they showed how great it was was they took like a two pound steel ball and they bounced right. it off of cement and it barely bounced. Then they bounced it off, quote, the other company's foam and it bounced a few times. Then they yeah. bounced off the boost foam, and the first bounce came up about 30% of the height that they dropped it from, and then it bounced like 10 more times. Right. And, and so the misuse of physics, of course, is. I immediately knew that if you want to get the steel ball to bounce really high, you have it bounce off a steel plate with a bunch of concrete underneath it. And the first bounce will be 99.5% of where you dropped it from. And it'll bounce about 200 more times. So that's a mystery physics.
1: You're losing energy. It's like, why would you want to do that? That's the funniest thing I see. Some of these stores have this, they sell people this shoe because it's got memory foam in it. And it's like, look how comfortable that is, you know? it's oh boy instant gratification society but you know it's really worth it because bar none and i succeeded in getting my partner to run minimally and we went sprinting today and she was hitting like four thirties you know short distances when it wasn't doing that before and i said well it's because of your stride and you know i'm sitting here what 62 going on something i go out and i run pain free and i can sprint like mad and i do it because it's fun Yeah. You know, it's not like, well, I got to hit a PR, hit hit some master's record, which is nothing wrong with that. But I've always loved that. And to have that, you know, you lose that if and you take someone who is got, quote, the wrong shoe, this gigantic stack height, you know, heel protector thing, have them go to the track and watch them sprint and they're not going to heel strike.
0: Right. And well, um, I've seen people who do because. Oh my gosh, I hope not. No, 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 absolutely. Because for them they just think sprinting is just moving their legs faster in the same pattern. So that's um that's what I, I've seen more yeah. times than I would care to to, to admit, or more times yeah. than I would like to admit.
1: My my dilemma is that I understand this solidly. There's there's no doubt about it, like stride rules and these running shoe companies are brilliant marketers and they've come up with, you know, capturing three markets now, yeah, instead of the one. And It's, you know, I don't understand people. It's a whole other psychological phenomenon is that a sociologist friend of mine wrote a book. He did some research, found out that on average, people make decisions based upon what they think other people think. So that's twice removed from reality. So if I fantasize what I thought you believed, which is not true, and then I adopted that, that is why drug commercials work. Because you have a cartoon of these red dots that turn green. Well, it worked. (laughs) And then you go take your problem you don't have and you create more problems. So it's, it's, it's an interesting philosophical question because if you love people and you love humanity and you want them to have a better experience, you know, they could be moving better and pain free, but there's so many competing things out there. They'll say, Oh my God, no, they will try to find something wrong with, you know, a micro statement you said and try to prove you wrong and discredit you but that robs everybody of the experience and I'm living proof and I'm not special. I'm not a natural born runner. I'm a natural born loving to run person, but my biomechanics in my body isn't, you know, ideal for uh, any particular type of running. So for me, it's even more important. You know, they call them the middle packers or people who just want to get out and run. They could always have a better experience and it's very hard even to take a highly intelligent person and help them make the switch even if they want to. So I had a friend who was sold and I was running in the, the Northeast when I worked up there, I'm running barefoot everywhere on trails, roads, everything. And he said, I want to try it. So he shows up with the pair of this wrong brand of barefoot shoe. And I just heart sank because he he, he was convinced he tried it and he said, it didn't work for me. So he yeah. just completely lost it. He he lost the opportunity and he was an intelligent person that was signed up to try. And so given that uh, these other people, you know, look at the latest shoe and it's the next shiny thing, which is rampant in our culture in many yeah. ways.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, there's another piece to, to this I'll, I'll throw in. Uh, actually, I got to tell you this at the ACSM uh, event last week, I was one of the people on my panel was from um, Brooks. And at one point he said, you know, we're trying to put more spring in your step and propel you forward. And I grabbed the mic and I said, I said, I asked him, I said, is it, would it be okay if I'm a little obnoxious for the next 30 seconds? <laughs> he said, um, yeah, sure. Go for it. I said, uh, there's nothing that can put spring in your step or propel you forward. Uh, that's, this is called physics. All foam sucks energy out of your system. Nothing moves you forward. If anything did, we'd be able to see it in force plate data, which would be really compelling. Right, right. And none of you have shown force plate data because right. it doesn't work. And he um, he conceded the point. He said, yeah, we're not trying to violate the laws of physics. We're just trying to give you something that works for you. Well, uh, yeah. I,
1: you know. If you want to convince someone with the big stack height shoe not to wear that shoe is like realize that every time you land, all that energy is getting dissipated. It's not storing kinetic potential energy, right? You know, Sisypheus, he rolled a boulder up a hill creating a huge amount of potential energy. And then you let it roll back down. That's kinetic energy. So you give all your energy away and then have to start all over again. And yeah. it's really appropriate what you said about accelerating, maybe uh, not having too much friction during a stride. But when you're accelerating decelerating, of course, you know you, you have a, a large torque to get to maintaining speed. And then if you got your really nice turnover, which I work on with my track workout – then it's just a joy. And it gets down to, though, why why are people doing things, too? And what, I was a fitness captain at a company, a, a major aerospace company, uh, physicist by day doing exotic stuff. And it's really it is exotic, really cool stuff that blow your mind. You can see underwater and space. But let's see, fitness captain. And I really wanted to help people. And I, I said, pick a realistic goal, like a life goal, or at least a 10-year goal. And don't impose some type of idea of what you should be able to do. And, you know, I I, I was trying to help find ways to help people make that leap. And there's there's so many body identification problems in this world and idea of what you should be. Like you're a natural sprinter. And I've found that I'm not really necessarily great at long distance. And I actually feel feel better when I sprint. Like if I go, I will do a warm up hit the track. And I love running as fast as I can today. It was like four thirties. I've done three twenties and, you know, for short distances, not Michael, not Steven Sashen level stuff, but you know, <laughs> I'm an older guy and I'm hitting it, man. I'm burning it.
0: First and of all, I, drop I this I, older guy. I dropped the older guy crap. I'm a year younger than you. I'm turning well, 61 yeah, 60 60 I mean, in a couple of days,
1: but it's cool because, uh, who wouldn't want that?
0: I free. I agree. Um, I don't
1: take ibuprofen. I don't have all these little secret things. I do no, and no. It, you know it's hundred percent because I changed my stride. Though one hundred percent because I I was everybody else. Yeah, and when you don't use your body correctly, you break it down.
0: Well, here's something that you'll find entertaining. When we were in Czech Republic, um, there's a half marathon in the town we were in, and I watched everyone run by me as I was enjoying a pleasant dark beer locally made, um, and. Um, the first 70% of the runners, every one of them, midfoot strike, four-foot strike, um, and you would think that that would make me happy, except that they were still wearing shoes, A, with a whole bunch of cushioning, so they're losing all that energy. Um, now, granted, they're running, mo- many of them were running at a speed, and they had a body weight, a mass that was um, appropriate for that cushioning. In other words, it was, they- it was sucking the least amount of energy out of them possible mm-hmm. because foam is basically tuned to a weight and speed. But- you would think that I'd be happy they were mid foot strike landers, except that they their heels never touched the ground because of the thickness of the sole and the heel, yeah. and so they were losing all that last bit of their their achilles stretching
1: right right yeah energy
0: and then coming back so they' were, they were less energy efficient than they could have been but they but because the higher heel has trained them to not let their not, let, not right. let them use their Achilles. Their brain basically goes, "Oh, my Achilles can only stretch this far," instead yeah. of that extra few inches that they were losing.
1: And as you know, a formula for disaster in sprinting is if you don't use the full range of motion. If you think you just like you said before, if you just think do what you're doing but do it faster, yeah. you know you'll you'll pull a muscle, you'll rip an Achilles apart. That's a really good point because you, the loading and unloading. What I found is the body is such a brilliant design and it seems so weird. If you look at an x-ray of a foot, I, mean, it, I wouldn't have come up with that, but it's it's just brilliant because, you know, people like when you doing yoga or something, you know, unless you're a martial artist and you're doing knuckle pushups, you understand about using your hands to distribute stress and people can do that, but your foot does the same thing yeah. and you just throw all that away and it's arrogant actually to think that a shoe company can better the foot. And it's arrogant to think that a scientist can do nanotechnology to better the hummingbird that I was standing there that was going to refill my feeder and I'm holding it. And it's right here looking at that design uh, right in front of my face and the sheer arrogance of thinking that we're an advanced society and we have chat GPT and you know we can offload any accountability or creativity to AI. Not going to happen yeah that's a whole other thread.
0: well um uh, we, we ha- first of all, we have to wrap this up. but secondly, I want to appreciate that you have um been willing to jump into the world of Newtonian physics rather than the m- more um, esoteric versions of physics that you spend your days in. So I appreciate uh, I appreciate that. and it, it is it, it it does amaze me watching what footwear has turned into and what people believe, of course, as a result. And I mean, again, when I say people should know understand more physics, it's because if you do, you aren't susceptible to these things that people say that are cl- so clearly not true when you understand things, you know, about force production, for example. And what what you brought up about, about um, stress and uh, about um, wave activity, um, I've lost the ability to think in English, is so, so interesting for people to think about just, you know, if you if you're if you're landing on your heel if you're if you're just sending a shock wave up your calf basically into the into your bones you know that energy's got to go somewhere and do something and what we're wired for is to have our muscles ligament and tendons get in the way of that to get there first and accommodate that and if you bypass them that's going to be a problem look when When the first big, thick shoe came out, I won't mention it by name. Let's call it Smoka. They, um, they, can't imagine what that is. I'm just saying. (laughs) I mean, I just made that up. I don't know where it came from. Um, No, I don't know. You know, there were some professional runners that were on the track with me. And I said to them, they love these shoes. They're getting in more miles. I said, it's going to mess up your knees in a couple of years. You won't be able to run. And they went, you're, you're, you're out of your mind. And partly they didn't believe me because, you know, look at me. Right. But um, two years later, none of them could run because all that shock was going into their knees. They weren't feeling it and it was causing those problems. But I'm still loving this idea that of the the idea of the cavitation of the fluids with it around those joints causing problems to the tissues instead of it yes. being a quote overused thing that is and blowing my mind
1: that is something that happens like x-rays so it's called somatic and x-rays if you get like a bunch of small ones it's the same as getting one yeah. big one. and so when you're doing this to your body you can break it down and uh, these microscopic level you know like i said you've got free radicals and uv light we all know about uv light we, we buy plastics that are you know not as susceptible to UV light. We all know about that in uh, microplasmas, you know, and it just seems like, no, that can't happen. It's like, no, it's physics. It's a yeah. shockwave, it's a refractive interface and there's a PNS wave that gets, you know, transmitted and reflected. And then to, to get really technical, standing wave ratio is how efficient that energy is to So if you have a rope, and you shake it, you send a wave through it. If you tie a piece of dental floss to the end of it, the dental floss is going to go crazy. If you take the dental floss and shake it and tie, shake the dental floss, the big rope's not going to budge. Right. And so that's really the physics. And it's so easy. But my, my dilemma is I have to, like I said, with opening doors and the merry-go-round and oil spots and glasses of tea with your fingerprints, I have to bring it home. And I can't say... Torsional instability. You know, I have to show people. Well, just try running on your heels and tell me how that works for you. And then, you know, then stop thinking and just take this smooth hard surface and go from here to there at a jogging pace. And now watch them. And it's like, yeah, their stride immediately improved. Their head's not bobbing up and down all over the place. Yeah. And I'll tell you one thing: those those shoes that I can't remember the name of, that you can't either. Those big clown shoes. Try it's like running in a jumping castle,
0: oh, so, you dude, know. It, it, no, no. I, I mean, someone gave me one of the new Nike Vaporflies, and I put it on, and I, and I tried to. I took two steps trying to sprint, and I felt like I was in quicksand because again, right, and, I was I was moving at a speed much faster than that material could handle. Right, right. So
1: yeah, I, so it's it's it's. But there's more and more and more and more and more technical stuff and. I guess the the takeaway is my, my rule in life is, you know, it, theories are, are great, but it has to work. It has to work. Yeah. And I was literally looking at not running and I changed my stride and, I, you know, people would have to run with me and see I sleep pain free. I, I run like a demon uh, pain free because it was using my body the way it was meant to be used. And I did that hopefully to save other people the time because I did do the work. And I discovered it for myself, so I grew it organically. I didn't find a book. I can't recommend a book. It's coming from me, so I'm soul-sourcing this information. And I was able to take my hard grounding in mechanical engineering and shock mechanics and double-E and fiber technology and physics and optics, take all of that and some some um, correspondence with some real doctors who are published that do real research and today benefit myself and then want other people to be able to experience that because their experience can always be better. Yeah, and I guess it's kind of tough because the shoe industry would radically change. That's a whole. That,
0: yeah, we yeah. don't have time to go down that road. In fact, I got to. We got to get out of here, um, Zach. It has been an absolute pleasure. By the way, if people do want to just ping you and say, you know, thanks or ask you a question or whatever, how can they do that?
1: I guess uh, I don't brand myself. Like I said, I'm a full time physicist, and I actually have a physics job. I'm, yeah. I'm a practicing physicist, but I, I have uh email just first initial last name at Gmail. I don't do anything fancy. Z-B-E-R-G-E-N. I have a website, but my website only allows for virtual reality and it's, it's crazy. <laughs> okay. so wacky. So, it's great. So yeah,
0: Z B E R G E N. Yeah. Like
1: if I get put my ham radio hat on, it's Zulu, Bravo, echo, Romeo, golf, echo, November at gmail.com. So oh, Zach Bergen, Z B E R G E N. And uh, yeah, all right. Um, so I don't have a book and I don't have a uh you don't need to. video. No, Not I think it's box good box. though because a lot of times people do. It's like, well, if you really want to know the answer, go buy my book. Yeah, and,
0: no, I, I brought I, I brought you on knowing that you did not, but appreciating that you were willing to spend the time. And thank you. And for everyone else, thank you. And just a reminder, head over to www.jointhemovementmovement.com to find previous episodes, to find all the ways you can find us on social media. If you have any questions or concerns or issues or recommendations of people who should be on here, drop me an email, move at com. but most importantly, Go out, have fun, and live life feet first.